Welcome to the Enneagram with Chelsea and Nicoel. This is a positively deviant culture podcast anchored in the Enneagram. In this episode, we're talking about the misunderstanding of the type three. To understand more about the Enneagram, you can always go back and listen to our intro episodes. And before we get into the content for today, just a quick reminder. Yeah, every episode, I want to remind listeners that this isn't a prescriptive fixed tool and that our conversations are designed to work with the material and the ideas in an exploratory way. And as long as I've been working with the Enneagram, my knowledge and application continues to evolve. So it's important to have that reminder. So when I say things like threes can be misunderstood in their rage or hostility or narcissism, this is exactly what we mean. We're bringing in these different life experiences. And of course, you have especially really deep experience working with so many different threes across your career. But this is all within the context of zooming in to unpack what are we seeing here? What are the motivations and drives? versus just putting a label on threes, that they are this way. And so I think that's just, you know, an example to reiterate what you mean by we're working with this content and working to learn together as we unpack this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and one thing that's very interesting about, you know, this segment that we're trying to bring to each of the types is that the idea around it is to to see how other people are misinterpreting a type, right? That they're, that they experience certain behaviors and those behaviors aren't what they seem. But what's interesting about threes is they don't really allow this to happen. <laughs> I mean, there's things to understand of, in terms of what's underneath and what's actually going on um, with threes, but there isn't a whole lot of misinterpretations of what threes are up to. It's pretty clear and they're definitely aware of how they can be misinterpreted. They're aware of these misunderstandings and perceptions, and they are mostly not allowing these negative perceptions to occur or to persist. They're being very, very intentional with which tools and how they're communicating because they have so much adaptability. So when we do see a three or misunderstand a three to be overly obsessed with vanity, right? Like we get a peek behind the curtain and we're like, wow, this person's all about ego and status. What's the misunderstanding happening in that moment? Where's that coming from? <laughs> well, this is what's kind of interesting. I don't know if there's a misunderstanding. I mean, that really is vanity. <laughs> So, I mean, it's actually really what it seems to be. Like they're presenting something that is super performative and threes are, are the most likely to be vain, even though they're all humans can be vain. But that is something that's more forward, you know, because it belongs to their strength, which is presentation and able to meet the moment, right? All these things. So there's not a deep misunderstanding there. Now, what we can understand about it, that's a little different than a misunderstanding. When I consider misunderstanding, it's like when you're seeing behaviors and you're, you're noticing them for being something that they're not. Right. Right. So there's a difference here. Whereas like with threes, it's generally, if you're picking something up, it's actually what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the deeper understanding is why, is knowing why that's there. And usually that's connected if we're, if we're seeing something negative, even if we're seeing it accurately, which often we are with humans, right? Like, you know, most of us aren't complete dodos, you know, we're, we're eventually seeing a lot of the truly negative things, but we're not understanding why they're there. 
And understanding the why just builds compassion and then builds a greater intelligence for how to navigate or adjust, you know, within our partnerships and our relationships. So with threes, like, yeah, what's underneath vanity is, is all the good stuff, which is, you know, their understanding of, of how important presentation is and their ability to try to adapt to cultural ideals. And if those ideals are good and healthy, then that's great. If those ideals are not so healthy and bad, well, then that's not great. <laughs> and so that's kind of what we're, when we're confronted with seeing different elements of, of a three, we can say, hey, is this actually something that's really healthy in terms of becoming and what they're taking on, even if it's just performatively, is this healthy or is this really not? This is more surface and selfish and incomplete in terms of a fractionalizing of self. In this particular episode, we are going to have less true misunderstandings and more lack of deep understanding of the why, because threes are so articulate in what they put forth. And so what you see and experience from a three is the majority is what's happening and what they've chosen to put out there. We talked in the last episode about some of the compartmentalization and the lack of having a deep connection to their feelings in some ways. And so when I bring these, you know, behavioral and by the way, negative behaviors, which is where a lot of the resources out there on Enneagram are skewed to, words like rage and hostility have come up in describing how a three, and it would be a less healthy three, can be experienced. And so maybe that's less of a misunderstanding, but to understand potentially what's, you know, peek behind the curtain, why we might experience behaviors like that from a three. This is a really important point to make, Chelsea, the one that you just made. And I think to understand if we're looking at any kind of anger, we need to dig into it in the context for which we're speaking, which is a three. <laughs> so every humans have anger, right? You know, and any human can have anger issues, you know, or uh, display anger and anger in itself isn't bad, by the way. I don't think that anger is that's what you do with it. It's how we respond. And if we're projecting it onto someone else and damaging or destructive ways, that's the issue. But to be angry is, is fine. So in a three context, I think that it really stems from their ability to assert themselves. There's a different kind of energy that certain that particular types have that has a shape or a texture and a longevity to it. There's not words because it's, you know, all humans have access to energy and we have, we all have access to different emotions, but seven, eight and threes particularly have this kind of energy, which allows them to easily assert themselves in a long-term capacity. So the consistency over time that the energy persists exists in these three types, um, particularly. Again, we all have energy that can persist, <laughs> but there's a different flavor and shape to it, I suppose. And so I think that for threes in particular, in the context of their anger is more about assertion, that they're asserting themselves in a way that they deem is necessary and usually it's connected to a particular outcome that they expect. I'm appreciative of the way you've described that because it is this kind of immovable force where there's such a steadfastness that they're pulling from this deep well of energy to assert themselves in a very consistent and steadfast way. Again, we always think of our threes as leaders and so you can see someone kind of steering the ship with a very distinct path 
Another area that I'm curious about where it may be less a misunderstanding and more an opportunity for us to gain a deeper understanding of the why is around, we know threes are deeply connected to truth and they're able to see the truth and kind of call out the truth, but the strength misused can end up being lies and deceit. And I think that's a really hard one for people to connect with. Like we're not calling people liars necessarily. So how does this actually come to life? Like how would you describe it? Yeah, this this might be a misunderstanding in terms of the capacity is misunderstood. Maybe not a particular experience of it. Just to address the other types that are connected to truth, like, you know, sixes, fours, and eights, you know, are generally like the truth the centers of truth, right, in terms of what they're seeking. So there's a nuance here in how threes are connected to truth. And it's more about what is the most honest and deep truths in the human experience. I think this is what we're talking about in terms of the domain of a three. Eight's, you know, commitment to truth is more about justice and not having any bullshit and, you know, being super honest. And sixes, it's more about truth in terms of what's trustworthy and and what's verifiable and what is honest and dependable. And for fours, it's about authenticity, right? And kind of the the darker places of the soul that no one wants revealed. And, and fours are committed to exposing the places of the human experience that most people are not willing to go to. So for threes, it's something that isn't necessarily a driving force. Threes aren't necessarily driven for truth, but they know it in such a, a, a deep way. And, and th- that's kind of the difference, I suppose, as I, you know, and I'm thinking about this, it's, it's difficult to, to articulate because it's such a nuanced, unseen, invisible place. And we're talking about like source, which <laughs> it was really, really tricky. But the way that truth is manifest in threes is really connected to ideals, beliefs, needs of humanity. And um, it's in this space of what humans embody, what we need at the deepest levels, what we're looking for, and who we are. And it's not that, you know, like I can think of even now as I'm saying that, like fours kind of engage the space too. But it's more, I think, intrinsically connected to becoming and how we manifest how we connect who we are to what we do. This is the space of a three. And I think this is where the truth kind of exists in this context is this merging, this intersection, the deepest places of integration with who we are and what we do. And so that's the context of the access that threes have to this kind of truth. And what's necessary, what kind of truth is necessary to become? There's a different layer to it. And so um, I don't know if I've nailed that perfectly, but I think that people can get a sense of what we're speaking about and in the domain in which it exists. And so this is from the place of why threes can be so deceitful. (laughs) And by the way, I'll say this, it's rarely overt lies, right? Like threes are incredibly sophisticated. 
And so it's going to be these little manipulations, these, you know, little airbrushes, right? The the very particular places where you're moving something slightly to make something seem a little bit better than it is or a little worse than it, whatever is necessary in order to get a result, right? This is the kind of space that we're that we're thinking about threes being deceitful. It's very subtle usually, and it's not noticeable which is why it's so smart. (laughs) And this is what I'm saying in terms of understanding where it comes from. It comes from a deep connection to what's true. And you have to be able to know that with such kind of precision and connection in order to uh, manipulate well. What do you think about that, Chelsea? Yeah, it reminds me of our culture and our culture conversation where things are packaged in a way that Mm -hmm. they have this promise connected to them. But when you really start to experience it or live it, you can notice that these subtle adjustments that are there in all of their shining glory don't actually resonate in a long-term sustained fashion. Right. Until they do. Until until we've nailed it. <laughs> until we're actually integrated human beings and, you know, and embody what we believe and what we value. And we actually are all the things that we're saying we are rather than a package or a product. And this is why we speak a lot about, you know, product in, in terms of culturally. And I've kind of coined the ontology of a product that becoming has to be more important than the product. And and the three space is definitely about packaging and becoming a product instead of becoming fully human. And this is definitely connected to, you know, a kind of truth around self. Yeah, this brings back the personal branding, whether it's your LinkedIn page or your social media page for what you want to project out into the world and how closely that resonates to who you are as a person or who, how you choose to be seen. And I guess that's the distinction. Well, that is a distinction. And then, you know, also always saying that we can be both, right? We we can be the very thing that we're projecting ourselves to be. And that is, uh, I think, ultimately the best human goal. So understanding that in terms of, you know, where the the kind of deceitfulness or the manipulations or the kind of pushes that threes might do in order to get their way or to get a particular outcome. It's the same place where there, where there is some deep connection to truth. And so, you know, to understand that and then maybe learn how we can help threes tap into that versus the other. I'm curious in all your hours of speaking with threes in so many different contexts in your life and in business, what do you hear from threes? when they are frustrated and potentially they're being misunderstood or misinterpreted, or do you? They don't really express that well. I mean, you know, threes are very, very protected from criticism. And most humans don't like to be criticized. Twos, threes, and fours, which are the heart centers, probably have the most natural aversion to criticism, but all humans do. And threes are incredibly protected because they are triggered by anything that can feel like failure. <laughs> so a criticism kind of feels that way. Like it's something you're not, you know, something that, that, that you've missed or something that's, that's gone wrong. And so they insulate themselves from, from criticism or from being perceived as missing the mark at all. 
So it is definitely an obstacle in helping threes to grow. And what's interesting is that many threes that I've observed will tick the boxes for that signal they have done what is necessary to be a good leader. So you have a lot of, you know, threes that will sign up for executive coaching or go, go to even more often will go to prestigious leadership programs in order to have that on their resume, in order to signal that they have already been, you know, to the places that are reputable and prestigious. But what I find among all leaders, not just threes, is that very few leaders are truly excellent with without help. And that help comes in different forms. And it's not that threes don't understand that the most powerful performers, we'll say athletes, metaphorically, all have coaches. They will. But how they end up creating a strategy around their growth is definitely more performative. It's definitely, well, they'll go through the motions, they'll, they take it on like a sport where they'll just move their body in a particular way and use words in a particular way, but it's not something that they're actually becoming. And this is where their leadership fails. And they are making sure that nobody finds that out, right? So that's the average or dysfunctional three is doing. And humans do this all, you know what I mean? Like, so this is, but this is definitely, you know, three strategies. So they insulate themselves from that. And like I mentioned in the last episode is that because our culture is designed around three systems and structures, our society doesn't catch threes either. They're probably the least caught <laughs> out of all the types. And, and I mean that in a more metaphoric, not literal way. It's not like we're all going around policing each other and catching stuff. But in terms of being able to see what is not correct or to see what is most deeply problematic and not true, even our society and our, and our even business cultures and all these things, they're not seeing threes at all <laughs> because threes are living in to the signals and the shapes and the incentives that the structure and systems have designed. And threes understand this. This becomes actually uh, an interesting obstacle that I have in working with threes. I have entirely different strategy when I'm working with a three. And what I do is I leverage their strengths because I'm just a partner. So I'm coming alongside as a tool and I am coming alongside leaders as a secret weapon. So a very powerful tool. But ultimately, I am used, right, by someone else. And so with threes, I provide the missing intelligence. Once they have the intelligence, they can work with that in sometimes better ways than I can. And that's the partnership. And by the way, all of the partnership changes. You know, the work that you and I do, Chelsea, will change depending on the individual. And this is exactly why we do individual strategies rather than group programmatic things, right? Why it's not prescriptive. Because each person, each individual have very different strengths. And so, and it's leveraging those strengths. It's not just that they're there and um, that, we're, that we're noticing it. It's that we're actually using it. The best strategies are the ones where we're employing the strengths that we have and the strengths that the other person has. That's the best partnership. And so it's facilitating and reminding, and that's a lot of this work. And I think the Enneagram is a tool, how it can be used best is to remind each other who we are to return us to some of our core brilliance 
And that when that happens, now we're in a different space because we're positioned differently. We're in the right position. We're in the most powerful position to perform in holistic, integrated ways. And so that's kind of the, (laughs) that's the journey of threes, but it's tricky. It's the most tricky actually working with three leaders. A flood of factors are coming to mind when I think about my work in management or leadership development and your work in the same around coaching and being that secret weapon that so much of our culture is, you know, requesting signals. And when you talked about threes going to prestigious, you know, leadership types of programs, it would take a lot of knowing. It would take a big reminder to help them not encourage more of the same, which is empty and not substantiating to have other people go through these programs. And so many times we see this kind of prescriptive programmatic approach and it doesn't tap into what the brilliance is or what each type is designed to teach us or where someone is on their personal journey. And so I'm really glad that this conversation surfaced and it surfaced within the context of the three, which are the very people who can lead us to finding that truth, connecting, becoming the best versions of ourselves as they're becoming and modeling and inspiring us to do that. Yeah. And I want to be sure to, you know, always say that it's not that prescriptive you know, programmatic things are bad. We repeat this a lot, that they're just generally a place to start. And that often what is happening is just as you said, is that they're being used to signal depth or to try to bring credibility to something that actually can't be developed that way. So um, definitely is a place to start, definitely is a place to receive different information and frameworks and whatever in order to have a more expansive toolbox. But really (laughs) becoming a leader is something that is lifelong. And then we have to, you know, what is, how do we define leader? And does that mean it's just because you're in a position? You know, I say this all the time, just because you're in a position of leadership doesn't make you a leader because actually in some ways can make you less of a leader because everybody is expected to do what you say. And I think for me, the ultimate form of leadership is when people don't have to follow you, when nobody has to do what you say. And to me as an eight, that's the ultimate power, right? Like I consider if I can get people to follow me when they don't have to, when I'm not in a position of authority over them at all, and they do it anyway, that's the ultimate leadership and that's the ultimate influence. So how do we get to those places? And, you know, the three in me understands that I need to be that kind of leader. So how do we help individuals get to this place of excellent leadership? And of course, this is going to be the conversation inside threes because threes are gifted with the most natural ability to be the best leaders. And so we keep coming back to this leadership conversation around threes, which is, which is great. Yeah. You mentioned leadership as a lifelong journey, but also so much of what we're working with is that moment by moment when you're not always in your perfect ideal homeostasis, you're integrating and taking on and moving to other types. And you're also disintegrating and having stressful moments where you don't meet the moment. But ultimately, we know that threes, when they're centered, when they're integrated, when they're embodying so much of their brilliance, and when they're reminded that they are the ones to teach us to become, it's an absolutely powerful force. It's understanding the source of where good leadership comes from 
and how that goes poorly in certain instances with threes. <laughs> and we kind of at the beginning talked about anger and asserting and, you know, um, manipulation and, and lying. And, you know, there's there's all the list of the bad things, you know, that, that each type has and threes are, are, are no exception. And so we return to understanding where that's coming from. And then we are able to build compassion and to learn how to navigate that better and address those issues better in ourselves. Because come on, let's be honest, we're all liars. <laughs> you know, just, you know, some of us are honest about being liars. You know, that's the difference, right? Like some of us will lie about being liars and other, others of us will just admit, <laughs> yep, we're lying. I'm a liar. Sure, of course. <laughs> so it's really, it's, it's really about understanding that all of these things exist in us and that there is a three in us to overcome them just as much as the three in us is driving some of our, our bad stuff. Definitely having the Enneagram as a lens to view my own behavior and some three-like behaviors has helped me notice the times where I'm manipulating a situation. And I'll just raise my hand right now, right? That's the form of deceit that we're talking about is knowing how to play into different power structures, how to leverage different circumstances, how to assert yourself in a really charismatic and confident way and very polished so it looks credible. And then at the end of the day, it's about getting what you want. And it's very effective. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with getting what we want. Noticing times and circumstances when I'm doing that. And by the way, there could be a collateral damage to that. So really it's about awareness. And I guess that's a lot of the two coming through as well is just being super aware of motivations, what's driving that behavior. I end up repeatedly saying it's, it's about being more than not less than. So yes, there's nothing wrong with getting what we want. It's at what cost. So in other words, we need to be able to get what we want and serve and protect others. So it's and. It's not that we that we have to choose one or the other. We don't. There are ways. We're just not engaging that sophistication because it becomes more complicated to factor in others and to be less destructive, right? So it's about learning how to do both, learning how to get our needs met and get what we want and also make sure that other people are getting their needs met and getting what they want so that it's not extractive, which is a three thing, right? Threes tend to, you know, in a negative sense tend to be um, in our culture certainly is capitalism certainly is extractive. So we need to be more sustainable and, and whole. As always, a super interesting conversation. Love, love, just kind of unpacking how we notice threes, how we have opportunities to understand them better. And as you've mentioned, build compassion points around what's happening in some of the less ideal interactions. But ultimately, the excitement and the invitation is that when integrated, all of these things are coming from a deep source, uh, which is the art of becoming and teaching us all how to become. With that, we'll go ahead and invite you to engage with us. Uh, if you have questions or comments or other thoughts or experiences with threes or about threes, hit us up on LinkedIn. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everybody.